Hello and welcome to another episode of the Daily Remedy Podcast. Today we're going to discuss data around booster doses, or as we like to say, much ado about boosters. Puns aside, what's very interesting about the vaccine booster debate is that the nature of this debate can really be followed just by looking at the history on the internet. If you were to do a Google News search for, let's say, the following terms, COVID-19 vaccine boosters, those three terms, COVID-19 vaccine and boosters, and you were to look at the timeline of articles that would pop up, what you would find is a series of articles coming up around mid-August, mid to late August, that really discuss how great boosters are, how the data is unbelievable, Israeli study X, Israeli study Y, Israeli study Z, shows all these amazing things about COVID-19 vaccine boosters. And then if you were to go from mid-August to late August to now early to mid-September, well, the articles are not as favorable towards vaccine boosters. As a matter of fact, they're much more equivocal. You'll see some articles talk about the ethics of vaccine distributions internationally. You will see articles talk about how valid the data really is around vaccine boosters. And some even question, can we take data from Israel and apply it to the United States? Now, these are very legitimate questions that we're not really delving into like we should because we are so captivated by this narrative. Vaccine boosters are needed. Vaccine boosters are not needed. Vaccine boosters are ethical. They're unethical. The narratives are portraying a very simplistic model of vaccine boosters, which is really complicated along two things. Now, let's just skip the data and the nuances around it, and let's talk in general terms. Do vaccine boosters improve antibody concentration needed to protect against COVID-19? Yes. Does the data from Israel show your chances of being infected and become symptomatic decrease with the boosters? Yes, they do. But are these changes as significant as natural immunity? Not even close. Are these changes even comparable to the first two doses of COVID-19? And I'm saying two because I'm comparing to the Pfizer and Moderna, and I'm just skipping J&J for convenience sake. We can keep the conversation simple for now. The answer is no. So vaccine boosters help. They provide value, however you want to look at the value, in terms of antibody concentration, in terms of likelihood of getting symptomatic or going to the hospital. It helps, but the degree to which they help is not as much as the first two vaccine doses and not even close compared to natural immunity. But the way things are being portrayed, the way Dr. Fauci presents himself on TV, the way other 
quote-unquote epidemiologists and vaccine pundits present the narrative, it's always seen as this either-or. The problem is that the data can say anything you want it to say. Yes, COVID-19 booster vaccines are effective, but they're not as effective as we would have as we would look at other vaccines earlier on or natural immunity. So people simplify that to say it's either all good or it's all bad. They don't delve into the nuances because the narrative doesn't favor nuance. The narrative favors a simple storyline, an either-or, zero-sum game. You're either intelligent, sensible, and pro-boosters, or you're selfish, populist, and anti-boosters. This is why we're starting to get to the point we are in the pandemic where lawsuits are being filed against vaccine mandates. People are losing trust in healthcare institutions. The reality of the situation is that vaccines have different level of benefit for different people. Yes, given the novelty of the COVID-19 virus, we at Daily Remedy believe all populations internationally should receive vaccines for the COVID-19 ages 12 and above, given the data that's available. Now, how many additional vaccines or how many additional behavioral precautions, be it wearing masks or social distancing, are sensible varies per individual. It's a very individualized decision because the clinical risk is different per individual. We don't like to talk in those terms because it's difficult to talk in those terms. We have to then break down individual health risk. We have to break down individual behaviors relative to broad policies. We in Healthcare America like to talk about broad policies. We like to talk about simplified terms that we can then create simplified narratives around because for whatever reason, that's how we as the public consume healthcare content. We like the simplified narratives. Now, as a result, you have Twitter pundits, basically physician celebrities on Twitter expanding upon the validity or invalidity of certain clinical studies. And some of these physician celebrities will have 50, 100,000 followers. That's way more readership than an academic medical study will have on a peer-reviewed published site. And that's even more than most media outlets like CNN can hope to achieve for any of their articles. So what you have here are second and third degrees of separation from the core data itself and how it presents in the initial studies and how it's formatted and presented to the general public. And in those degrees of separation, the data is simplified and it's contorted into an either-or narrative, presenting it to be almost like a debate, a zero-sum game in which you are either on one of two sides. And that's affecting healthcare policy by first and foremost destroying trust in federal healthcare institutions. And this is very critical and something we really need to focus on. The data out of Israel 
the two or three studies, and we'll reference them on the site, that discuss natural immunity, the benefits, the marginal benefits of the COVID-19 booster vaccine. They all came out as preprints. That's a term most people are not really familiar with, preprint, because it never really existed until the pandemic. The pandemic made the concept of a preprint readily available in the minds of the public. It began when the pandemic started really changing our lives in March of 2020. We had all these academic articles coming out. They would conduct a small-scale clinical study, and then they'd release something. Normally, such studies need to be reviewed by their peers, and after being verified, then it is published and released into the public. Instead, the data was just simply released, sent out to the public for their broad consumption and to be consumed by the public whether the data was right or wrong. We had quite a few very spectacular preprints that were then equally spectacularly retracted. A lot of studies include hydroxychloroquine and remdesivir, but What's more interesting about this role of preprints is the role of consumerizing healthcare data. Twitter has become an authority in healthcare policy. It's become an authority by just simply over and over presenting information to the public saying the same thing over and over, this study is wrong, this study is right. And the people on Twitter follow those who resonate with their own core beliefs. So essentially you have a reinforcing echo chamber where people are only hearing from the perceived experts that already agree with their preconceived notions. So you have people now going on Twitter, receiving simplified, consumerized, healthcare information and presume themselves to be experts in the field. That's how you get people looking at vaccine boosters as an either or construct. The reality of the situation is that vaccine booster data is not all that spectacular. It does not have the same benefits that natural immunity or the initial COVID-19 vaccines have. It became a debate when we took Israeli data and integrated it into federal policy. And the way that happened, the transition from Israeli data to healthcare in the United States healthcare policy came when certain sources like Dr. Fauci of the NIH, like Dr. Scott Gottlieb of Pfizer, which for some reason I never understood why people don't question his conflict of interest. But that's another, another issue for another day. You had these thought leaders coming up and presenting these cases based on pre-print preliminary data that has not been peer-reviewed and then saying this justifies booster doses for the United States. Can you imagine if a country of 300 million people like the United States, the third most populous in the world, all took booster doses, all who were eligible and willing to take it. This in light of vaccine shortages all across the world, where certain countries have hardly had more than 10% of their population vaccinated. 
this does raise serious issues about vaccine equity. Uh, the question really becomes, where is the frame of reference when you're talking about the ethics of vaccines? And we discussed this before, where we talk about the fixed individualized risk of getting the vaccine relative to the broader social good. Those who are in favor of the broader social good would like the vaccine, and those who are in favor of their own individual risk would not like the vaccine and would be considered vaccine opponents. But what's very interesting is if you apply that ratio and that concept to the broader social question, whether vaccines should be distributed in an equitable manner or on a first-come, first-serve basis, essentially should the United States just give themselves a third round of COVID-19 boosters, the question kind of flips itself on its head. Because those who were initially inclined to get the vaccine who consider the broader social good and use that to justify COVID-19 boosters, would not boosters, COVID-19 vaccines, would actually be against COVID-19 boosters because the argument would then follow for the broader good of vaccine acquired immunity to be distributed equitably or as equitably as possible for a broader social good, we should defer in the United States the third COVID-19 booster and provide it for other people in the world. Perhaps there could be some model where certain percentage of the international population received one COVID-19 vaccine, while certain populations in the United States received that additional third COVID-19 vaccine. The rate of the mutations relative to the distribution of COVID-19 symptomatic cases should determine how those booster doses should be distributed. Israel giving themselves a third COVID-19 booster vaccine is not the most equitable of decisions given many neighboring countries, Syria, Jordan, Iraq, Iran, hardly have any of their populations vaccinated. Now, you can talk about the religious strife and some of the complex socioeconomic dynamics that are taking place in that region. And you would be right to say that they convolute the argument and are quite different than the argument in the United States. In the United States, the argument is a very large population. Should we all receive the COVID-19 vaccine booster, all being those who have taken both vaccine doses already, is that really the most equitable way to then proceed? Should we instead focus on the broader good internationally and focus on vaccine equity internationally? A lot of people in the United States would say that we should focus on that. And a lot of people in the United States who are opposed to the COVID-19 vaccine boosters are pointing towards the relative ineffectiveness of the vaccines compared to those first two doses and the marginal benefit would be greater to give an international person their first COVID-19 vaccine as opposed to giving somebody in the United States their third COVID-19 vaccine. It really comes down to the marginal benefit per vaccine relative to the individual. 
Now, I know we're kind of getting a little bit complicated into the mathematics of it, but if we look at equity of distribution, it's not as if everybody should receive everything. That's equality. And equality in the healthcare world is not viable. That's why we always talk about equity, because equity is distribution relative to individual variations. For example, if you had two people, one person was a, a transplant patient and another was a perfectly healthy person, you would expect that the person who was a transplant would have a greater healthcare burden and therefore require greater healthcare resources. You would not say, oh, the healthy person should receive just as much, if not more, healthcare resources. You would base your distribution of healthcare resources relative to the healthcare burdens. That's the same argument for why people are pro-vaccines. They look at the broader social good and the implications of it and then decide that it's justified to incur an individual risk to get the vaccines. But if we apply that same logic now to the marginal decision of a third COVID-19 vaccine relative to a first COVID-19 vaccine to someone else, the principles of equity and of marginal benefit that incremental benefit given to a person getting their third vaccine compared to a person getting their first vaccine implies that the United States should defer obtaining the COVID-19 vaccine booster in favor of providing COVID-19 vaccines to other parts of the world that have a much lower percentage of the population vaccinated. It's a matter of looking at the broader social good in international terms, COVID-19 does not fix itself to one country. It mutates internationally and it spreads internationally. Therefore, our frame of reference when we're discussing vaccine equity should be similarly international. I would therefore agree that we focus on maximizing the incremental marginal benefit per vaccine given. And by that logic, it does not make sense for the United States to unanimously, unanimously make a COVID-19 booster available to everybody. What makes more sense is to distribute certain number of booster vaccines to populations in the United States that pose a relatively higher risk than the general population and then distribute the excess number of vaccines to populations with high COVID-19 infectivity rates, high symptomatic COVID-19 infectivity rates, and create a model that distributes it relative to the need per region based upon the symptoms and the healthcare burdens COVID-19 presents to those regions. That is a more complicated way of distributing the vaccines, but it is a more equitable way to distribute the COVID-19 vaccines. And like all things with the pandemic, the right solution always tends to be the more complex solution. And to find those complex solutions, we gotta move away from these narratives that we seem obsessed over and focus on the complex truths that really define the solutions for the pandemic. Thank you and talk to you guys next time.